0: This is episode number 011 of the Reno Slant. We got football, we got basketball, we got a loaded show.
1: Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schell.
0: There it was. Nevada finally got its best effort of the season late, late Saturday night, Sunday morning for most of us. Wolfpack was a 40-22 winner at Hawaii, improved to 4-4, 2-2 on the season, and looking pretty nice for a bowl game now. Adam and I will... Share our thoughts on that one. Plenty of them from that win. And then it's on to San Diego State. The start of what could be, what maybe even some would say should be, a really fun finish to the season for Nevada. What would a win in that one mean for this program, for this team this year? What are the keys to the game in a Nevada, what would technically be an upset win? We'll obviously share our predictions and a betting angle. Uh, switching gears... For this week's guest, we're going hoops. Hoop season unofficially started on Sunday evening in anticlimactic fashion. About a 91-73 losers to Washington. Is it time to sound the alarms? I asked Eli Becker, lead men's hoops writer for the Mountain West Wire. Really fun chat with Eli. Also did a look around the conference as a whole with him. He was down here in Vegas for Mountain West Media Day last week. And we'll see what he knows about the one voter who didn't happen about a first. Where do we send our anger? <laughs> what are some key marquee Mountain West non-conference matchups? And who is his Mountain West sleeper this year? The answer might surprise some of you all around. Just a great conversation with Eli. was really excited to have him on the show this week. For Slants, Adam has a so-we-said-something-stupid. We joked about that last week. He got one this week. We're going to go through Games of the Weekend. And we teased this one on Twitter a while ago. We're going to debut it. We're going to use it several times over the course of the winter. Wow. San Jose State is bad. So that one's going to make its debut. And Twitter questions. We got some really great ones from you guys this week. You guys are the best. We had, I think, two last week. I think we had something like eight this week. And then you know we're doing random Reno. But first, our iTunes five-star review of the week. We're off the schneid. We got a couple this week. We went with the iTunes review from Andrew Moritz. I think that's how you say Andrew's last name. Andrew, if that's incorrect, I apologize, dude. He's the writer of the Wolf of Virginia column over at Silver and Blue Sports. Andrew said, Glad to finally see a quality Wolfpack-centric podcast after being underserved for so long. Adam and Nathan have enjoyable rapport together. Their conversations are both informative and entertaining. And the guests they've brought on have added depth without crossing over into fluff. Here's hoping they continue to grow. So, Andrew, can't tell you, man, how much we appreciate the words and the support. Just shoot us your Venmo. Uh, you can email that to us if you want, and we'll get you to $2 because we didn't have a winner last week. So, prize jackpot double this week. To be in the running next week, you know the drill. All you got to do is open the iTunes app, leave us a five-star review, and maybe we'll give you a shout-out and a dollar next week. So, bro, I, I stayed up for the entire Hawaii game. You were tweeting early, and then you tailed late did you fall asleep or did you go to zombie crawl
1: i fell asleep i woke up in a wow. haze yeah i woke up in a haze at four in the morning on the couch and it was kind of like that oh where am i <laughs> yeah so i i think i made it to like mm, probably towards the end of the third then i crashed so i didn't make it as long as i should have i said
0: i was gonna be the one who fell asleep on the couch i stayed awake you fell asleep that's funny yeah i was no yeah. zombie crawl though huh
1: No, I, uh, Friday night ended up being a little more intense. It was one of my buddy's birthdays. So Friday ended up being a little more intense than I should have. So Saturday was actually a little bit of a recovery day. And I think that played into the me crashing early part.
0: Going big the Friday night before zombie crawl is an all time rookie mistake.
1: It's a rookie move, but I'd argue it's a veteran move. I'm taking Mm. myself out of the, I'm taking myself out of the equation. That's true, actually.
0: But on, so on Sunday though, you went to the exhibition against Washington. Some people are freaking out. Some people are saying we need to calm down. What are your thoughts, I guess, after watching that game? What were some of your takeaways?
1: Everybody calmed down. Uh Nevada they they were giving everybody everybody was getting playing time. I mean, you can talk about Trey Porter was having a dominant first half. He barely I don't even barely played the second half. I don't even I'm actually not sure what his number I mean, it couldn't have been high for the second half. Caroline looked great um definitely 3 point shooting was a little off i can't i didn't know the final sco- uh, the final percentage but i think we were somewhere in like the upper 20s um at half that's when i tweeted out and um yeah. i'm trying to lob the jungle i think it was the respondent and told us we're shooting upper 20 so i mean i in the other argument too i've seen this on twitter i think it's good that we lost cuz it kind of puts it gets us grounded, gets a team kind of realizing, okay, there are you know we we're getting all this preseason hype, but we still need to do the little things and win. So I think you know I have no problem with with dropping that exhibition game. It doesn't mean anything. Washington shot great too. so I mean, yeah, we gave up ninety points or ninety one points, whatever it was. but I mean, you gotta give Washington credit. I can't remember how many threes. I think they made six in a row in the fourth. They kind of kind of put the dagger in it, but yeah. I I wouldn't worry too much.
0: Losing that game in that fashion was arguably the best thing that could have happened for this team, I think, and Mm -hmm. especially with all the hype. I mean, that's that is what must like he came out and was just taking his shot in the post game press conference. That's nothing new. He's done that before. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is something that he secretly might have wanted, yeah, for his team to get its butt kicked in this at the start of a season that has or off season that's had this much hype. And um yeah. No reason for panic. The the one thing that I took away that I thought was the most interesting was not the game, not what Mus said, but what Caleb Martin said post game. He didn't name any names, but he called out some teammates saying, look, oh, dudes, you, you, you gotta practice. Let's call call yeah. out effort in practice. And that's something we haven't seen a lot of players at Nevada do is call out mm-hmm. players in post game. But if there's if there's someone who can do it? It's Caleb. He's been at Nevada now yeah. for three years. He's the dude. He's preseason yeah. all all American. I mean, he's, that's who would do it. So I, I actually well, loved it, but I thought that was the biggest takeaway from the game.
1: Yeah. And that's the guy you want taking charge too.
0: Yeah. Definitely. All right. Let's move on to Hawaii, the Hawaii game. 40-22 road win for Nevada. And it wasn't even that close. That was an absolute beat down. Nevada now four and four, two and two, two wins away. From a bowl berth with four games to go, I'll let you start this week.
1: Well, like I said, I didn't make it through the whole game, so I'll give it from what I took out of it. Uh From what I was watching, the defense showed up. I mean, this is something we've seen now the past couple weeks. They're really starting to get into motion. I mean, you give it 22 points on the road to a Hawaii offense that's been putting up a lot of numbers. It's impressive. Um, The two kind of stats I was looking at, you mentioned last week how efficient um, Hawaii is on fourth down and third down conversions are pretty good too as well. Third down, they're three of 15. Fourth down, they're one of five. Um, They only gave up, I mean, 16 first downs in the game. So you give up four a quarter. That's really not bad at all. So like we've seen the last couple weeks, defense was there.
0: That was my first one as well. That was an amazing defensive effort. Only gave up 22 points. That's a tough road trip going to Hawaii to play that well against that offense. I mean, Cole McDonald got benched in in the second half. I mean, Mm -hmm. he got benched he was playing so poorly. Five sacks, (laughs) Corey Rush three, deservedly was named the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week this week. An incredible effort defensively. So I'll I'll go to my second one. I think just collectively as a whole, That was Nevada's best effort of the season. We're starting to see it now. Fresno, it was all defense. Well, going back to Air Force even. Air Air Force was missed opportunities, but defense played really well. Fresno, you have your backup quarterback. Defense played really well again. Boise, defense played well. Offense took some strides forward. Still made some mistakes. Hawaii game, again, mistakes, points left on the board. But you hang 40 on the road. You play that well defensively. That was Nevada's best effort on both sides of the ball, Taganji maybe had his best game of the season, 21 and 29 for 247 in a tutty. and he should have thrown for it would have been almost 300 yards and two touchdowns, but that one got dropped by O'Leary Orange. He's only sacked once. Ground game was moving. Toitawa, I said on Twitter, that was the game. I feel like he, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to say assert himself because I feel like he's been doing that. And that was maybe the game where the coaching staff said, okay. You're the
1: this, guy. This is, yeah, he's the guy.
0: 18 carries, 126 and a tutty. And then Kelton Moore, Devontae Lee only had six carries. So he he was clearly the, the feature back against Hawaii. I just thought both sides of the ball, start to finish, still things to clean up, but Nevada's best effort of the season.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then following with that offense, it was extremely balanced. If you look at the total yards, they had 261 passing and 220 rushing. So, I mean, that's what they're going to need to do. They're going to need to be able to run the ball, the open lanes for Ganji. But then on the ground, on the ground too, obviously we're talking about Tawa, uh, 18 carries, like you said, 126 yards, seven yard average, touchdown. So I mean, all in all, that's just kind of the things that their offense is going to need to do. They can't rely super, you know, 90 percent of the time on the pass or vice versa. So when you see numbers like that, it's definitely encouraging that the offense is doing its part too. Sure.
0: I said in my opener if you want to call it that intro the game wasn't as close as the final score would lead you to believe this was a beatdown because Nevada wins this game going away by 18 points and there were still points left all over the field you have uh the Dubs muff punt in the first quarter that led to Hawaii touchdown you have a dropped interception that hit I think it was Austin Arnold just between the numbers and he just dropped it that was on Hawaii's half You settle for two field goals inside Hawaii's 10, so that alone is leaving eight points on the board. You have a Taoist fumble, like Hawaii's 25, I think it was. So you're leaving at least three, maybe seven there. So you hang 40, but you're still leaving 14 to 21 points, somewhere in that range of points on the field. I, I think Nevada could have easily hung 55 or 60 points on Hawaii in this game. If not for, you know, shooting itself in in the foot. The last thing I got, I'll do an honorable mention real quick here. Chris Murray beat me to it. I was all excited. I'm going to point this out on the show and then he writes a story about him. But uh, the emergence of Elijah Cooks mm-hmm. r- really becoming a go-to guy for this offense, especially in the red zone. He had three carry or three um, receptions, I should say, for 54 yards and a touchdown. Also had the end around 40 yard touchdown run. He's now scored in four of the last five. He only had two receptions as the freshman. Big body. There was some expectation that he was gonna, you know, become a more important part of this offense, but he's really the number three receiver now behind McClain Mannix and, and Caleb Fossum. So the, the emergence of Elijah Cooks has clearly been helpful. We'll put it that way. He, he's taken mm-hmm. the, he's taken the spot of Brandon O'Leary Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, Leary Orange, we thought was gonna be the big guy in, in the red zone this year. He just, He hasn't been the same since getting taken off a stretcher against against Oregon State, and you you never know the impact that's going to have it not only physically but mentally on it. He only has a a few catches since then, so uh, Elijah Cooks has certainly taken advantage of the opportunity. Do you have another one, or are you ready to move on?
1: My last one was just thank God that's over. (laughs) No more, no more, (laughs) no more 9 p.m. kicks. Yeah, that was terrible. Absolutely brutal. That was terrible.
0: San Diego State now. Um, did a little bit of research. Kickoff not at nine; it's still late, 7:30 on ESPNU. Aztecs coming to this one at six and one, three and zero in the Mountain West Conference. Hawaii was also three and zero in the Mountain West Conference before last week. I'll kick this one off. San Diego State lost its opener to Stanford, and then has won six straight. You look at the six and one record. You look at the three and zero record in conference, and that catches your attention. That's pretty sharp. But you look at average margin of victory in their six wins, their three Mountain West wins, and it's not really anything to, you know, it's not going to scare you as a future Nevada opponent. I'll put, I'll put it that way. Last week, San Diego State needed a 51-yard field goal with four minutes left to beat San Jose State at home. 16-13, two weeks ago, they needed a 30-yard touchdown pass with six minutes left to beat Air Force at home. 21-17. Their only win this year that wasn't by one score was at home against Sac State. And that wasn't necessarily a blowout either. That was 28-14. So they've beaten ASU by seven, Eastern Michigan by three in overtime, Boise by six. That was at Boise and Air Force by four and San Jose State at three. So the record is sharp. The, the margin of victory and I guess just overall appeal of those victories is, uh, lacking. We'll put it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to kind of go in, fall in with that. It's kind of the same thing Hawaii did. Hawaii's record was kind of a scare record. It looked a lot better than they were. Um, San Diego State, they have got four fourth-quarter game-winning drives this season. So you look at them at 6-1, and 3-0 in conference. But like you said, like a 16-13 victory over San Jose State. So... You see six and one, you think, you know, this could be top of the Mountain West, but then you look at some of these victories and it's, it, it really on the offensive side hasn't been that impressive on their part.
0: It can go either way. You can say, wow, they're playing down to some competition or you can say they're not playing well and they're finding ways to win football games. I mean, it can go either way, but mm-hmm. we're used to seeing a dominant San Diego state team and we just haven't really seen that this year. Part of it is, and this feeds into my second one is they're banged up at the skill position. Quarterback Christian Chapman winning his QB in school history. He's 24-7 and as a starter. He got hurt against Sac State this year and hasn't played since with the sprained MCL. That was back the second game of the year. He's going through non-contact drills. Rocky Long said in his presser on Monday that he looks good throwing the ball, but it's trying to avoid contact. It's kind of a Ty Ganges scenario against Fresno. They said he can't really protect himself. So he's been cleared to play in emergency scenarios.
1: Mm-hmm. If all the yeah. other
0: quarterbacks get hurt, he's coming in the game. My last one real quick here is running back Juwan Watts Washington also has been out. He got hurt against Eastern Michigan, broke his collarbone and he's getting close. Sounds like he'll miss this game as well. So San Diego State's been rolling with their backup quarterback and backup running back. And that's, let's not pretend that hasn't been a factor in them playing close football games.
1: Yeah, definitely. I guess flipping to the other side of the ball, you talked about Rocky Longland. They're a defense coordinator. Uh, their defense has got some national ranks. They're fifth in the country in rushing defense. They're 14th in the country in total defense. And they're 19th in total points allowed. So flipping back from how, I guess, unexciting the offense has been, especially with the injuries, the defense is legit. So that's gonna be one thing that we're gonna have to be watching out for on Saturday is they've really, you know, really pieced together the defense. So even though they're not putting up a whole lot of points, it's giving them the opportunity to still win games.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a tale of two sides of the ball with this team right now. The, the defense has been incredible. The offense just simply has not. Mm -hmm. You, you you pull a few stats there. Defensively, San Diego State's allowing 18 points per game. That's 19th in the country. 307 yards per game. That's 14th in the country. Their rushing defense is incredible. They're only giving up Mm -hmm. 83 rushing yards a game. That's fifth in the country. It's something like 2.4 yards per carry. They're a little bit more vulnerable through the pass or through the air. 223 yards per game. That's 62nd. Offensively, you mentioned a few stats. Points per game, 20. That's 120th in the country. Yards per game, 330. That's 116 in the country. Rushing. This is what this team wants to do. They don't want to throw the ball. Rushing the ball, they're averaging 177 yards a game. That's 63rd nationally. And passing the ball, they're averaging 157 yards a game. That's 114th nationally. If there is one bright spot for the offense, it's that they're really good in the red zone. They're scoring 95% of the time. That's 12th in the country. So, yeah, definitely a tale of two sides of the ball for San Diego State, elite defensively, not so much offensively. And their kicker, by the way. We should mention special teams. Their kicker Mm -hmm. is legit. John Barron. Best field goal percentage in the country among active kickers. We talked about the, the game winner last week from 50 plus. He also made a 50 yarder versus Eastern Michigan to send that game to overtime, and then kicked the game winning field goal in overtime. <laughs> so he's he's been their best offensive weapon this season, probably.
1: So he's the threat we got to watch out for as a kicker. The kicker, dude.
0: <laughs> Favorite player on the other roster.
1: All right, so I went when I was looking at the roster last night. I ended up going with a guy who's got a little bit of slub status in his name. It's a uh, Dwayne Johnson Jr. Mm, so the Rock. So yep, exactly. So I was thinking the Rock. His sophomore safety. He was a starter. He ended up getting hurt last year. I think I was read. Now he's the backup. So it's going to be not as exciting. Not seeing him play probably a whole lot. But Dwayne's on Dwayne Johnson Jr. The Rock. All that's right. my favorite player. What do you got? This one was an easy one for me. Junior tight end Parker
0: Houston. Oh yeah, Reed boy. I was curious, you know, I was, I was curious
1: if you're gonna. If, I was curious if you were gonna take him.
0: Oh, absolutely. He was one of the reasons I think I wanted to start this segment because I'm going to I get to par- pick Parker during the San Diego <laughs> State game because I got to know Parker a little bit back when I was the sports editor of, of the Sparks Tribune. He still shows me a little love on Twitter occasionally. He was a, a senior at Reed. I think it was the 2015 season that team went it was 13 and 1 they lost to gorman in the semis that was at reed and it was freezing that I think we I can, was at
1: that I think I was at that game I think you were too actually
0: and that mm-hmm. was I asked Ernie Howren, who was the coach at reed then now the coach at Minogue. I asked him several times of course like do you think this, this is your most talented team and he 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 was always very good at coach speak so he never gave me a straightforward answer but I thought that was that was a loaded reed team i mean they they were mm-hmm. stacked and a funny story about parker so there will be headlines this week about how uh Nevada didn't recruit Parker how Nevada didn't offer Parker Houston. So when he committed to San Diego State, I wrote a column, the Trib, and I said, Brian – I don't know what the headline was. But it was like Brian Pollian whiffs by letting Houston I, – I don't remember what it was, but I mm-hmm. I definitely called out Coach
1: Polian for not, for not
0: going after him. For, for not recruiting him. And then I don't know how much later it was. It was – Several months later, I had Pauline on my radio show and, um, he was in the studio. So we do the, we do the interview. It went fine and we go to, we go to break and he's walking out and he goes, Hey, are you the one that wrote the story about Parker Houston? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and, yeah. And so Jesus. I go, yeah, that was me. I, I, I don't know what to do at that point. Like I'm, I'm going to stand up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Gotta and, with it. and he goes off about how. They weren't looking for a tight end, how he didn't fit their system. He was giving me all these reasons. He wasn't over the top, but he was clearly upset with me.
1: Yeah. And Well, obviously, Polian didn't fit the system, but moving (laughs) on.
0: (laughs) Touche. Touche, but it's it's just comical now. Like You're going to let a a local who's clearly a great kid, look what he's doing now at San Diego State, and you let him go because he doesn't fit the system or he's not tall enough, whatever it is. He's 6'3", 250 now, by the way.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a big boy. But it's
1: a, yeah, it's a big dude at tight end.
0: So, yeah, de- definitely going with, with my boy Parker this week. He's an integral part of this offense. He has mm-hmm. 18 starts, I saw. That's the most of any San Diego State tight end, wide receiver, or running back. He has eight catches for 109 yards this year with, for two touchdowns. The two touchdowns receiving actually lead the team because, like I said, they don't throw a ton. They like to run the football. And one mm-hmm. of those touchdowns was the the 30-yard game winner against Air Force couple weeks ago so really happy for Parker having a ton of success at San Diego State but for people who knew Parker coming out of Reed not a big surprise mm-hmm. not a big surprise at all key matchups this week what do you got
1: well I'm going with the defensive player of the week Corey Rush the quarterback right now who's getting all the snaps Ryan Agnew um, obviously Rush is coming off a huge game like you said five tackles four for a loss three sacks Agnew has been not impressive at all. And just looking at the way the offense for San Diego State's been moving, um, I like Corey Rush, and I guess if you can get a little broader, the defensive line to be getting a lot of action.
0: Speaking of the defense, I've already mentioned we've we've talked a lot the last couple weeks. We're talking about it more this week. Defense deserves a ton of love. Jeff Castile, defensive coordinator. They've defense has played well enough to beat Fresno, and to beat Boise. It was really the offense that let the defense down in a couple of those games. And now the offense is going to have a really tough test this week again against a really good San Diego State defense. So one of my keys to the, to this game for Nevada is the offense has to find a way to pick up the slack against a really good defense. Fresno, I think you you give them a break. Ty Ganji not playing Boise, you have the ninety nine yard ninety nine yard pick six, and that's what really jumps out. I think from that game, that mm-hmm. I mean, everything hurts in, in a one possession game. But that one really jumped out. So the offense, too much talent on that side of the ball to be a liability. I think things are really starting to come together. Boise was a step forward. Last week was another step forward. I want to see the ground game continue to 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 move the ball. Elijah Cooks continuing to emerge outside Gange. I mentioned how sharp he looked last week. So score some points, get an early lead. This is a San Diego State team that doesn't want to play catch up. This is a team that likes to play with a lead, run the football. I think twenty four points should be enough to win on
1: Saturday night. So I'm really looking at the offense to to pick up some slack this week. All right. Go. Oh, uh, the other thing I got is just kind of the age and experience is going to play. Like we know, you know, Mackie's not the friendliest environment. It's a late kick. It's going to be cold. I don't, you said the weather's actually be warmer, right? We are a meteorology po- podcast now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: saw, I saw <laughs> that floating around that we're, we're giving out weather. <laughs> no, our, our official
0: forecast is hashtag not cold. Okay. I think it's going to well, be hashtag- 60, 65 degrees, 66 at kick, which is really nice actually.
1: That's actually not too bad at all. But I guess looking down into the numbers, that San Diego State—they're one of the youngest teams in the in the country. Last week they had, or they played 15 freshmen. It's a combination of true and redshirt freshmen. But they um they started two of them. They got 11, only 11 seniors. So Nevada's obviously got some more experience. They got guys who have been playing for a little while longer. Especially helps having Ganji, you know, not having an inexperienced quarterback in this facility going on. But we'll see. It's a tough environment. And you got a lot of young guys coming in for a night game in Reno. Now Reno's rolling. So people, you know, you, the, the ball's starting to move on our side. So I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I, there might be some mental errors on San Diego state, San Diego state side come Saturday.
0: That kind of plays in my last one. So I'll just, I'll just jump to that one now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That needs to ride the wave. It's kind of cliche and I don't know how much momentum carries over week to week, especially in football. But this is the best this Nevada football program has looked. The best it's probably felt in that locker room in a while. In a while. I mean, the, the losses against Fresno and Boise hurt, but there is a bit of moral victory that comes with that, that you were in those games. And then you go to Hawaii and just open up a can. The, yeah. the San Diego State uh, head coach, Rocky Long, and even a couple of the players talked about in the press conference on Monday how hot Nevada is. You mm-hmm. know, this this thing's starting to roll right now. So ride that, you know, well, you, play yeah, fast,
1: play free. Well, you think of the community back in it, too, because in the beginning of the year, you got the Vanderbilt loss and those things. And everyone's kind of like, all right, here we go again. And then with the Fresno Boise game, it's kind of like, all right, you know, maybe we can. And then, you know, smack in Hawaii. I think you know, like you're saying to tail off that, I think that now the momentum is completely go- switched and everybody's, you know, ready to rock and roll.
0: I think people's eyes opened a little bit during the Hawaii game because when mm-hmm. when I opened it to Twitter questions, I fully anticipated all the questions to be up be about basketball, and yeah. almost all of them were football related. I was like, "Huh, all right." And well, j- just Nevada football Twitter has been a little bit more active the last week. People are starting to get excited about this football program. I think deservedly so. This is going to be a really big and really fun game on Saturday night. You want to jump into predictions?
1: Uh, yeah. Let's let's hop to it. Am I going or you, are you? Yeah, let's, let's have you, start. I think I started last week, so we'll let you go. San Diego State has not looked
0: good. Their best showing of the year was probably in the loss of Stanford in the opener. How, how good that run defense, I mean, they, they shut down Bryce Love in that game. They're mm-hmm. missing several key guys. You mentioned how young they are. They played 15 freshmen or redshirt freshmen last week. Nevada's defense has been great. It really has. The offense should have scored 55 plus last week. This would be the biggest win. I was clicking around. I mean, I think you can make a case this would be Nevada's biggest win since maybe the 2014 win at home against San Diego State, and that kind of kept them in the Mountain West title conversation. Then they turned around and lost to Air Force in overtime the next week, and that ended it. But that was a that was a big win at the time, and this one I would say would probably compete with that one. I mean, you could say the UNLV wins in there, maybe the win against Colorado State in the bowl, but. This is a Mm -hmm. huge game on Saturday, a really big opportunity. I think it's time for a breakout performance for this Nevada team. We mentioned they're getting closer and closer. You can see every week they're taking steps forward. They're they're clearly getting better. I got Nevada pretty handily in this one, actually. I got Nevada 27, San Diego State 16.
1: 27-16, all right. What do you got for the uh, attendance?
0: So again, we already mentioned it once. Shout out to Chad Hartley, who's giving me a hard time on Twitter about the weather. It is going to be... Everyone listening, it is going to be not cold. It's going to be actually a beautiful day in Reno. If I was in Reno, this would be perfect tailgating day. Get out there late afternoon, watch the morning games. Mm. So, gorgeous day. Parker Houston alone is going to bring like 5,000 people. <laughs> um, but but no, there will be a big crowd certainly supporting Parker and should be a big crowd supporting this Nevada football program considering where they were last couple of years and where they are now. It's, it speaks... Just a ton to this Nevada coaching staff. Boise was twenty one four thirty one. Boise brings them out. I think it's me a little bit less than that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go nineteen thousand two hundred. Show up on Saturday night.
1: Nineteen two. Okay. Well, I'm I think I'm a little more optimistic of the offense, but defensive wise, we were pretty much the same ballpark. I got Nevada thirty four seventeen. Whoa! I
0: I thought I had a big. Yeah. Uh, margin of victory. You're going with an absolute
1: beatdown. Yeah. I'm going with a smacking San Diego state is going to have a long ride home, but so I got them pretty handily. Um, attendance, I got less than Boise, but I'm still up there. I'm going to say 21-2 for attendance.
0: That's almost the exact same as Boise.
1: Yeah. I think it was a couple. I looked at, I was looking at the ESPN. I think it was a couple hundred less. So yeah. Just cause Boise's Boise. I was like, you know, I'll go a little below that. All right. You're bullish. Are you Are you going? Uh, oh yeah, of course.
0: I'll so be yeah, there. you you gotta go.
1: Yeah, gotta go I'm ahead. I'm 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 there now. Um, you wanna hop into betting? Oh yeah, the lines. Okay, so when I last looked, uh Nevada was a two and a half point dog. Over under was forty seven and a half. Um, I took Nevada last week, so pretty pleased on that. But to follow with the stats, <laughs> they're pretty uh. The people, the better the betters think the under's gonna hit. They're pretty confident in that. Um a lot of these <laughs> I was when I was looking at these last night, I couldn't find a statistic for the over. I needed something for the <laughs> over, but I couldn't find one. So they're actually I got about five for the under and one for the home team that will make help Nevada's case. But we got the under is four and oh in the Aztecs last four overall. Okay. The under under's four and oh in the Aztecs last four conference games. The under is five and zero in the Aztecs' last five games. After scoring less than twenty points in their previous game, the under is five and zero in Wolfpack last five conference games. The under's four and zero in Wolfpack last four versus a team with a winning record. So people love that under. And the home team is three one and one against the spread in their last five. So I had to throw that little Nevada nugget in in there
0: in the Nevada San Diego State matchup. Yeah, and, and them head to head. All right, so under sounds real nice. With those
1: stats. Don't, don't do it, people. You know the over's going. <laughs> this game is screaming under. Yeah. Screaming it. Every time I like even thought I was like, nah, you know, maybe I should take the over, just like a mental like a little person in my head just keeps smacking me, like, don't do it, idiot.
0: <laughs> I got the under with my pick. You you do not.
1: Yeah, I got fifty one as my total.
0: I got I don't know what I have. It's less than forty seven. Yeah. I think it's forty three.
1: Well, so if you're listening, people, Nevada in the under apparently is the bet. Yeah, bet the over, though. (laughs) All right, we're going to switch gears now to hoops.
0: Had an awesome conversation on Sunday night with Eli Betger. He's the lead men's basketball writer for the Mountain West Wire, going ham. Mountain West Wire guest last couple weeks. Talked uh, football with Jeremy Moss last week. Really fun conversation with Eli, and here's that. Okay, Eli, really happy to have you on, dude, for a number of reasons. I, I want to say we were mentioning this before we came on. I appreciate how much you have how to pronounce your last name in your Twitter bio.
2: <laughs> it's it's the small details, man. I like I said, I would have gotten your last name wrong as well.
0: How many different variations do you get of your last name?
2: Uh, well, I guess we need to start with the first name because whenever I'm in an Uber or a Lyft, more than half the time I get Ellie. So, so that's a rough start, but I get Bettinger, Boatger, Bottiger, um, but no one ever seems to make their way to Betger, so <laughs> here we are.
0: Do you still correct people? Cause I, half the time I'm like, forget it, I'm not even gonna, <laughs> it's not worth it anymore.
2: It depends. I, I mean, I had a, I've had professors that just seem to make their own variation on it and I don't really, I don't talk to them enough to even make a difference, <laughs> but I mean, I've, I've had some friends who have called me by my last name incorrectly and I just I just let it go cuz <laughs> <laughs> it yep. is what it is man.
0: And then it goes and goes and eventually you're like man it's too late <laughs> to correct
2: them. <Yeah>, <laughs> actually just a couple of weeks ago there was a a guy from high school that I knew and I've known him for years and years and I just got to the point where I had to tell him man it's it's not pronounced that way it's pronounced Betker. He's like, why didn't you tell me? Um so that was a funny conversation but
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel it. I feel it. So you you talk you mentioned professors there because you're the lead men's basketball writer at the Mountain West Wire, but you're also a student at the University of Washington. We were talking about this a little bit as well just before we came on here. Where do you get the time? Because balancing being a student and covering an entire conference—that's a lot to juggle.
2: <laughs> yeah, it uh, it is quite a bit to juggle. And like I said, a lot of the time I'm not doing homework. I'm I'm spending on uh, looking at college basketball stuff, but it's what i would be doing anyways because i'm just so passionate about this sport and uh, if i if i weren't writing about it i would sure would be watching it or following it with just as much time as i am right now so it's a, it's a lot to juggle but i'm <laughs> glad i picked it up and just having a good time doing it
0: i'm sure there's a number of people listening right now who are shocked to learn that that's not your full-time job, covering the Mountain West, that you're actually a student as well. So how did you get to the spot that you're in? You you blog in high school as well? I mean, I, I guess just kind of how that process come about?
2: Uh, well, I, I take that as a compliment for sure. So yeah, I absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess after I graduated from high school, I just thought I would really enjoy writing about college basketball because uh, I've been passionate about it for years and messaged a bunch of people, and fortunately enough, Jeremy Moss, who you know, yeah. uh, was one of, if not, I think he might have been the only person that replied to me, because I just wanted to write about college basketball to any extent, mm-hmm. and he was over at MWC Connection when we were starting there, and he said, yeah, come write for us, and so I wrote some articles on Boise State, and uh Boise State men's basketball, and then it just kind of went from there, so here we are, I guess. <laughs>
0: So, are you surprised how quickly you've gotten plugged in, kind of gotten to where you are, or is it kind of what you expected?
2: Um, I, I don't know, maybe a bit of both. Yeah, I think it's, it's still just bizarre to me. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, when the Lindy's College Basketball Magazine came out, and I was fortunate enough to write a few pages on that. I think that is just insane because I, I grew up reading that magazine, and to think just three years later. I could have my name in that. It's pretty wild, but <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I, I think the people that know me closely know how much time I invest into these kinds of things. And so they might not be as surprised as I am, but, um, it's, it's just cool to meet all the people in the industry that, um, are all focused on this sport and what it's bringing to uh, the people participating in it. So it's, it's just really cool to, Find all these new connections and meet new people.
0: Absolutely. So you graduate in March, you said?
2: Yep. Yeah, I'll be done in March. So then I'll be, uh, following along with the NCAA tournament and then it'll be, it'll be the real world, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what's lined up or is that going to be, a, we'll deal with that when we get there?
2: Uh, no, I'm, I'm putting in applications and doing all that work grind, but my background's in business. So, um, I'll, I'll be working on that, but. I'm definitely keeping the door open. If I uh, would be so fortunate mm-hmm. to to make sports journalism my full time job, that would be the ultimate goal for sure.
0: All right, very cool, very cool. So you you mentioned you're at UW, and we'll, we'll get to that because obviously Nevada UW just played an exhibition. We'll we'll mention that at the end of the of the pod here. But I want to talk some big picture Mountain West stuff first. You were at media day down here in Vegas. I think that was last week. One of the big headlines for the Mountain West, I think, as a whole, has been this looming Mountain West A-10 challenge, finally getting rid of the Missouri Valley challenge. Was that discussed much down at media days? Was there any sort of consensus, or were coaches not allowed to talk about that yet?
2: Uh, when Craig Thompson came in to speak, he was about maybe a third of the way through in between the coaches and players that spoke. He was asked a couple times uh, a few questions about the challenge because I believe Rothstein had reported just a few days earlier about uh, the A-10 Mountain West Challenge becoming a thing. And he was, I would say, rather hush-hush about it, um, but did confirm that there was some discussions. And then Mark Ziegler from the San Diego Union-Tribune had posted an article, I believe it was that day or maybe the, the next day, essentially confirming that the Mountain West A-10 Challenge will begin in the 2020-2021 season. That's kind of a, a mouthful right there. Um, oh, interesting. But, so
0: not next yeah. year. I thought it was next year they were talking about starting that thing. It's, it says
2: that it will, a four year deal will begin starting in fall of 2020.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
2: so it will be, I guess a year without a challenge. So that, mm-hmm. uh, will be the in between season, but this it seems to be all but a done deal.
0: Yeah. So one of the other things down at media day was the release of the preseason poll and Nevada got 18 of 19 first-place votes, and <laughs> some people in Reno were up in arms. Do you have any idea right. who is responsible for this injustice that have, they didn't get no Nevada first-place vote?
2: <laughs> I have no idea, but I feel like it might be one of those lingering jokes throughout the season. Um, it's, I don't know. I guess looking at the big picture, a lot of what, and going back to your question a little bit, a lot of the conversation down in Vegas at Media Day was giving props to Nevada because this is one of the strongest rosters that the conference has seen, and they deserve all the credit that um, that they uh, have picked up to this point. But to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think San Diego State and New Mexico, those types of teams that are just a nudge below, uh, they've been picking up a lot of credit as well. And I think the coaches acknowledge that although Nevada is the – Unanimous or I guess 18, 19th, unanimous, um, <laughs> uh, favorite in the conference. There still is a lot of talent top to bottom. Um, and I don't think the Wolfpacker uh, is going to run away with this thing because there, there's a lot of quality teams and, and good head coaches in this league. So almost yeah. every coach acknowledged that sure Nevada is on the top, their top dog right now, top five team in the country, but, um, there's still plenty of games to be played and uh, a lot of good players in this conference.
0: Sure, sure. You mentioned San Diego State. You mentioned you mentioned New Mexico. I think those probably the two you you put in that second tier, tier one A, <laughs> if you want to give that a name. A talking point always about Mount West is, or at least recently, is are they going to return to the 2010, 2011, whatever year that was when they had a number of teams in the tournament? They got two in last year. Do you have any sort of preseason gut feeling on how many potential teams the Mountain West could get in? Do you think it's going to be the tournament champ? Or do you think San Diego State, New Mexico, Nevada are all in that possibility, I guess?
2: A lot of people have been asking me for an over-under of how many teams the Mountain West will send in the tournament. And I've been saying two. Mm
0: -hmm. I
2: think it's Nevada plus either San Diego State or New Mexico. But a, a lot of this will be... Uh, sorted out by the time January rolls around because non-conference is just so important for a mid-major yeah. league. Um, San Diego State has some opportunities on their schedule, and, and Mexico does as well. But if they don't take advantage, then you're left with trying to pick up quality wins in uh, conference play. And um, When you're the second-best team in a mid-major conference league, then all you have is Nevada to pick up your quality wins, and that might not be enough it wouldn't have been enough for San Diego State last year had they not won the Mountain West tournament. So right. I, I I think the goal is probably two teams, but if Nevada runs away with this thing and wins the conference tournament as well, it might be uh, one big league once again.
0: Okay. You, you talk about non-conference, and it is so important for a conference like the Mountain West. Nevada's got a fun non-conference schedule, but that's not the only important non-conference game. Nevada's going to be rooting for everyone else in the conference until January. So what what are some of those big non-conference games that maybe you have circled that they, they're going to say a lot about this conference and if it's going to get multiple bids or not?
2: I think you have to start with San Diego State heading to the Maui invite. Uh, they open up with Duke, which is going to be a tremendous matchup, and then they'll play either Auburn or Xavier. Both of those teams were top four, top five seeds in last year's NCAA tournament. So San Diego State has opportunities right there to pick up some good wins. Boise State also, uh, they take on Creighton and either – Georgia State or St. Bonaventure, there are some opportunities there. Um, you already mentioned Nevada. They have some quality games on their schedule. UNLV, also they play Valparaiso. They're head to Cincinnati and also Illinois, so there are some power conference games there. New Mexico schedule, I've, I've looked at theirs quite a bit, and I don't know if I love it that much from an at-large perspective. They play St. Mary's, who might be a little bit down this season, and even as good as they were last year, they didn't reach the NCAA tournament.
0: Right. Is that, um, is but, that, a, is that a at St. Mary's? Not to cut you off.
2: That's a no. That's a neutral site in Los Angeles, so mm. at least they have the benefit of that. Um, but New Mexico schedule, I don't know if it's quite up to snuff for an at-large bid, so that's a little bit concerning. I do prefer SDSU schedule, uh, but lots of quality games across the board uh, for the Mountain West.
0: Sure. Sure. So we've talked about Nevada. We talked about uh, San Diego State and New Mexico probably being the three teams that most would say, all right, if Mountain West is going to have multiple teams in tournament, those would probably be the three. But as you look at the rosters and you got to talk to some coaches down here at Media Day, did you get a sense or a feel for maybe a t- team that's not one of those three that can maybe make a push?
2: Yeah, I, the team that I really like is Colorado State, and I was pretty surprised to see the Rams picked eighth in the conference. And I know what they did last year, they had their deal with Larry Eustachy and all that fallout, and they mm-hmm. won just four games in conference, but they bring back the bulk of last year's roster. They have Nico Carvacho back, who I think is an excellent big man. They also add a double-digit scorer in Chris Martin. I, I'm, I'm surprised to see them this low. Um, especially behind Wyoming, who returns just one double-digit scorer in Justin James. But I really like CSU, and I think they're a dark horse. Uh definitely don't think that they'll contend for the Mountain West regular season title or anything um, by that. But if uh, CSU finished in the top five, top six of the conference, I think that is definitely something that could happen. Uh, I don't know if that would translate into an NIT bid or a CBI bid, but to see Colorado State at eighth in the preseason poll was a bit surprising.
0: Not San Jose State? You're not feeling the Spartans?
2: <laughs> I'm not this year. I'm, I'm I'm looking for reasons to build them up a little bit, but man, that's a tough spot that they have.
0: Oh, man. I'm sure you poured over the Ken Palm rankings as well, but man, they are like 325 in that thing.
2: Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a shame, but when you lose your top two or three guys to transfer a year in and year out, that's what's going to happen. So right. the high majors that just picking off Spartans like it's nothing.
0: All right. So... One of the big storylines is off-season, unfortunately, especially for New Mexico, which is a team, as we mentioned, that we think is going to be there at the end. They have Ohio State transfer Jaquan Lyle, who's coming in. Expect him to be a dude, really maybe help elevate that program, or at least this season for New Mexico. Then he goes down with, a, was it an Achilles? It was.
2: Mm-hmm. It it was. Achilles.
0: How, how big of a loss is that for New Mexico and, and really, I guess, the conference?
2: It really is hard to say. I've gotten this question a number of times, and I don't quite know how to answer it because we just haven't seen what New Mexico looks like with Jaquan Lyle on the court. Fair. I, yeah. He sat out last year at his redshirt season, and unfortunately, we'll have to sit out once again now with an injury. But I think New Mexico is in pretty good shape to recover from this. I don't think that they'll quite reach the potential that they would have had with Lyle, but they do have Drew Drennan, who is a four-star, three-star, and some databases. Uh, he's a freshman this year. He's supposed to be pretty good. And also Keith McGee, who's a JUCO transfer. So they do have talent behind Jaquan Lyle at the point guard position, but whenever you lose a former five-star recruit who averaged double uh, double figures at a high major program, that's a loss that just can't be quite put into words. So I think New Mexico is going to be okay, but the ceiling just isn't quite as high without Lyle.
0: Yeah, that's too bad. Really is. All right, th- this is a Reno podcast, so we got to talk some Nevada stuff specifically here. Just point blank, are, are you buying Wolfpack as a legit national title contender?
2: I'm a little hesitant to go national title contender, but I think they <laughs> surely deserve to go top five in the preseason poll. Um, whenever you're dealing with a mid major who isn't Gonzaga, I think that's that's tough. But right. I mean, top to bottom, this this is an excellent roster. Whatever holes they had last year, they were able to fill over the course of the offseason. So it would not surprise me to see uh, Nevada playing some games in April.
0: One of the things that's going to be interesting to see how Musk handles it this year. He's loved to go six, seven deep, part of it by choice. Sometimes his, his hand's been forced, but this year, so much talent, so many dudes. Do you have any sort of guess? <laughs> Or, or theory in, in how he juggles that, how he handles that. Would you be surprised to see him go six, seven deep again?
2: He was asked at Media Day, I believe it was by Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal, how many players he would play on a nightly basis this season. And he seemed pretty firm with the number nine. Um, so yeah. that would be, it would be much deeper than ha- it's been in recent years, uh, especially when you, like last year, you had to throw in a football player at times just to make up for <laughs> enough, enough depth with right. injuries and such. Uh, so he seemed firm with nine. He also joked that some nights he's going to play six and three guys are going to be pissed. Uh, <laughs> so that's how, that's how that goes. But it's a good problem for Nevada to have, or for any coach to have, really, it's just so much talent on the roster. Um, it, he has to juggle a lot of things, though. Uh, when he's returning seniors like the Martin Twins and Jordan Caroline also has these newcomers, a five-star freshman, you have to keep a lot of guys happy, and mm-hmm. that's that's what everyone's talking about. But if he's able to do that, and uh, no word gets out about any conflict in the locker room, I think he, this team's going to be in a good shape. But it does sound like anywhere between maybe seven, eight, nine players. But he seemed pretty um, set on playing nine yeah. guys on a on a nightly basis.
0: I think that's one of those things we'll believe it when we see it.
2: <laughs> yep. It's it's just it's such a tough thing to juggle.
0: Yeah, really is. So one of the a couple of the newcomers this year that expectations are really high for you have Trey Porter who's dunking over muss in their preseason show in front of right. students last week. You have Jordan Brown, who is the biggest recruit for that program ever. Both big guys. Do you have any sort of feel for maybe which one will make a bigger impact? You always have a freshman and a senior in there, but have you got to look into that or have any sort of feel for that?
2: I usually like to lean with experience. So I'll go with Porter if I'm, if I have to choose one here. But I, both guys have so much talent. I think Porter is he, they play different um, styles of basketball for sure. Porter's more of a high flyer. Jordan Brown is a back to the basket, more of a classic type player. So I think that um, they I don't want to say contradict themselves, but but they uh, they'll play off of each other nicely. Sure. And I don't know how much they'll actually be on the floor together this season um, at the same time, but I really like the way that they contrast one another. Uh, Porter is, is just a, such a pleasure to watch and I think he's going to make fans really excited inside of Lawler and to have a five-star freshman on the roster as well just brings another element to Nevada. So I'll lean with the experience here because Porter's been there and done that. He averaged 13 points a game on a really solid Old Dominion roster. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, but to have the the double header there with Porter and, um, Excuse me, Jordan Brown and also bring Jordan Caroline like it's nothing. That's, uh, that's a pretty special trio to have.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jordan Caroline's got to be the most excited out of anyone in Reno. Don't have to get five gets anymore. A ton
2: of help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely.
0: That is kind of a unique situation in that we don't know exactly what the roster is going to look like because you have Lindsey Drew coming off an Achilles tear of his own and he just got cleared or is about to get cleared for going through contact and he's, the VAS posting videos of him now going through drills. If you were in his shoes, do you know what you would want to do? Would you want to be a part of this year or would you say I'd rather, you know, get right come back next year? But obviously the expectations and hype for this year are unparalleled.
2: If it were me, I would 100% give it a go. I I mean the opportunity to play for a team that is this talented and has this much potential, I would I would love to get that a run, but I think Maybe the more interesting perspective would be from Coach Musselman's side, what he chooses to do, if he even has a say. Um, because if if Lindsey Drew is ready to go, it might not be a day one. It might be in December or January. And I, as you mentioned, it appears that he's training in the in the right direction. I think you have to just go all in with the season because there's no guarantee. First of all, there's no guarantee how long Eric Musselman will be the Nevada coach. Um, That's just the reality of it. And second, there's no guarantee that Eric Musselman will ever have a roster as deep and as talented as this year's roster is, uh, regardless of where he is coaching in 5, 10, 15 years from now. So Mm -hmm. he has an opportunity to win a national championship. And I know like people like to bring up the fact that Cody Martin had more assists than Lindsey Drew last year from the point guard spot. And, and that's great. And that shows how versatile Cody Martin is, but this team is much better when Lindsey Drew is active and he's playing. And so if, if he's ready to go in February and, and Nevada can go and plug in one of the more versatile guards in the conference, I think you have to push that green light and let that happen because Drew might be the missing piece. Once Nevada gets in the NCAA tournament, he could help uh, this team win some tournament games, and that's what the focus is for this season.
0: Yeah. I, I think with Lindsay, it's – I mean, obviously, he's a versatile offensive player, but his defense in the perimeter is what this team maybe values the most. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Because defense hasn't been a strong suit. It was Mas's first year, not the last couple of years, and we saw it again in the exhibition. that We were recording Sunday night, so Washington, Nevada played an exhibition – Um just they just wrapped up I think about half an hour ago and Washington hung ninety one points on the board. So I don't know if you did you look at the box score yet?
2: I haven't had a chance to look at the box score, but Mm -hmm. I did hear that Washington was really efficient from the field and it goes to show you I mean, Nevada's going to be fine offensively. I believe they were actually first in the Ken Palm rankings for adjusted offense, which is a projection. Uh so it's going to have to happen on the defensive end and that's where Lindsay Drew shines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you make of the score if anything or do you say this next exhibition? I don't care.
2: Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't completely throw it away. Uh the fact that Washington was without Noah Dickerson, who's an all-Pac 12 guy and still was able to score 91 points and win on the road, I think is definitely something to keep an eye out on, but I mean, this time last year Eric Musselman was talking about I think he said something about finishing sixth or seventh in the conference and everyone thought he was crazy. So, he'll probably do the same thing again. Uh, but I, I am I'm curious, I would, I would have liked to have seen the game. Uh, but still, it's just an exhibition. I think we'll know a lot more about this team in a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's funny as you, as you're talking about that, I'm sc- scrolling through Twitter. I see a tweet here because Muss went heavy nine man rotation during the exhibition today. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he was saying something like, don't expect us to sub like that. <laughs> the rest of the year oh my
2: Gosh, See, it's already happening it's already happening <laughs> you, my questions are already been answered huh?
0: <laughs> that that's super funny all right uh one of the last questions I got for you eli gotta ask you we're talking about a hoops the the hype for this year has been unmatched i when i had john ramey and about a play-by-play guy on the pod a couple of weeks ago i was saying it's almost one of those you can't win scenarios when the expectations almost get so out of control and last year was such a fun finish to the season it's been just a slow climb of hype and anticipation since then. Do you have any sort of end or accomplishment? The team goes so far in March, team wins a mountain, West, anything like that, that would need to be, um, or need to be accomplished, I guess, for Nevada to have a successful season. There it was, I knew I'd get there eventually <laughs> be- be- because there's such a, I think this mm-hmm. Nevada is, is still a mid major, you know, a couple guys get hurt. This thing goes sideways in a hurry. Um, I think if Nevada doesn't go to the Sweet 16 last year, I don't, I don't think it's as crazy right now as it, as it is. So, do you do you have a feel for what Nevada would have to do to say, "All right, that was a successful year for Nevada"?
2: It's it's such a difficult question to answer, but right. I think I think first off, the most important thing, and I, I've already mentioned this before on this podcast, and I'm, I'm sure I will between now and November. I think it's so important for muscleman to keep all of his personalities on the team happy and content Mm -hmm. with what's going on so if there's no conflict throughout the year we don't see any clips on twitter of uh someone someone throwing a fit that they haven't been put in the game or um any news leak out about some guy wanting to transfer or anything because of minutes and i'm definitely not saying that's going to happen but it could it is it's a it's a topic that people will talk about I think if that doesn't happen, that will be a success. I think if Nevada, the expectation is to win the Mountain West regular season title once again. If that uh, is accomplished, I think that would be a success. And then the million-dollar question, which is NCAA tournament, I think anything besides an Elite Eight berth is probably going to be viewed as a disappointment. So Mm -hmm. I think at least Elite Eight, and that's it's kind of an in-between because that's the end of the second weekend. You'd like to go Final Four. I think that's a reasonable goal to get to the Final Four. Um, but this is a better team than they were last year, and last year they were a Sweet 16 team. So if they're able to accomplish those three tasks, keep everyone happy, um, and win the Mountain West, and get to an Elite Eight or a Final Four, I think that is definitely a successful season. And then the cherry on top would be to have uh, Eric Musselman back for an additional season. <laughs> and hopefully some of the other guys. Like uh, if Jordan Brown wanted to return another year, uh Boy, the Wolfpack Nation would be thrilled to have that happen.
0: Yeah, that's a storyline that people aren't really talking about because I think so. Musk clearly, he's talked about it. That his four-year plan. We took over the program. Mm-hmm. It's clear he's been building towards this year. You look at all the seniors and players they're going to lose next year. I think Nevada needs to or Nevada needs to do something this year to convince him, like I can win a national title here because he's someone who clearly wants to win. And I think that's an underrated storyline people aren't talking about.
2: Yeah, it, it, I think you're right on that, and. He did he's mentioned the four-year plan so much and he I, I don't believe at least to my knowledge that he mentioned what was supposed to be accomplished in that fourth year mm-hmm. whether that's to just get to the NCAA tournament or win a tournament game I can assure you it probably wasn't what's to win a national championship by year four in Reno um, but now we're here and it'll be year five next year and you have to wonder because not to not to end this podcast <laughs> on a bit of a, a dreary note but Traditionally, this is where the mid-major head coach goes and gets their paycheck and goes to a, a Blue Blood or at least a power conference yep. program. So that is in definitely in the back of the minds of some fans, but I think that just goes to show you to enjoy where the team is at right now because a lot of people would never expected this five right. years ago that the Wolf Pack would be in position to – Send guys to the NBA, get five-star freshmen, and compete for a national championship.
0: Yep, especially where this program was when he took over, it is oh, o- almost yeah. unfathomable, almost unfathomable. Yep. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh I know you're a Purdue football fan, so you don't get into, not a lot of <laughs> not a lot of Purdue football love before Saturday. So, do you want to brag on on Saturday's win at all?
2: Oh man, did I enjoy that one? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I I. Spent, I don't know how long last night scrolling through Twitter and just soaking it all up, but yep. it was a good moment and I, I didn't know that they would win the game and I sure didn't know that it would be by 29 points. So that was, that was a pretty special moment. Uh, I'll, I'll enjoy that one for quite some time. That's for sure.
0: Was that your most favorite win as a Purdue football fan? That's gotta be up there.
2: I think it would have to be. It's definitely the biggest win, uh, at least since I've been alive <laughs> to win this <laughs> uh, for Purdue football. And, They've been fewer and far between the last few years, so I'm definitely excited right. where the program's going. Right.
0: And I can tell you there aren't a lot of fan bases around the country who were sad to see Urban Meyer go down. Oh,
2: no. no, Everyone <laughs> was enjoying that one quite a bit. So the plenty of memes, that's for sure.
0: For certain, for certain. All right, Eli, man, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Um, how can people connect with you? How can people follow your uh,
2: stuff? You can follow me on Twitter, Betger underscore Eli. That's B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R underscore E-L-I. Um, you can find our stuff on Mount West Wire. We'll be putting out tons of content between now and the start of the season and throughout the season. So if you want to stop by and check that out, uh we'd be more than happy to have you. So uh thank you so much for having me on the podcast. really
0: appreciate it. Yeah, dude. You're the man. Let's get you on again soon, all right?
2: Sounds good. You take care.
0: Okay, let's jump into Slant's. Last week we talked about saying we had a couple so we said something stupids and Adam by far had the most egregious one. So Adam, I'll let you take this one away.
1: Uh yeah, so my pronunciation of Duquesne was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but I'm gonna back myself up. That sounds French. I'm glad I don't speak French. I'm glad I butchered it.
0: <laughs> uh that salvaged
1: it. There we go. Salva- that's that's all I was thinking about. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm glad. I'm happy it <laughs> happened. In
0: fairness, I also was looking at like once I heard it was Duquesne, I thought, oh, I've definitely heard that before. Uh-huh. But looking at it, I was also looking like Duquesne. <laughs> yeah. like, I was also I was also not 100% positive on that. So I remember when I that.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, I remember when I was writing my notes for it, I put it down, and then like when we started recording, I'm like. Shit, I should have figured out how to pronounce that because <laughs> I was like, that <laughs> is a night. I was like, that's a nightmare.
0: All right. I'm sure we have plenty of show left to to get one in for next week. Games of the weekend. I'll let you
1: start this one. All right. I got my standard two games for NFL. I'm going Ravens at Panthers. Uh Ravens are two and a half point favorites. And then I'm going Saints versus Vikings. And the Minnesota is actually favored by one in that game i that's one of those lines that kinda makes you scratch your head. They think Dalvin Cook's gonna be out again. The Saints are looking fine. Mark Ingram's coming back this week. So that's kinda one I'm not too sure about. But I mean those are two those are gonna be really good. Um well I guess the Ravens, Panthers is cross conference, but that's right. that, that Saints, Vikings. I mean the Saints the Vikings are three one and one, I believe. So they're kinda hanging around or three two and one. So yeah, they're kinda hanging around. Saints Saints are, you know, they're leading the NFC South. I think that's gonna be a really good game. Um, yeah, those are, those are what, what I got for the week or for, for Sunday, I guess. I can't believe got? it's, it's already week eight. I was that's thinking about the terrifying. other week. You really, yeah. Now you realize, I just think of it for fantasy reasons. My like, God, fantasy's already getting down. Like we're already halfway there. I know. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I had, so. I had
0: the Viking saints as well. I also have Hawks lions. Both are three and three. The NFC West is kind of a shit show right now. I think that's kind of maybe an elimination game. See who's going to get mm-hmm. that six seed. Because there's no way the Hawks are catching the Rams. I mean, they might not lose yeah. a game this year. And that that was one of them uh, that I had as well. Packers at Rams. Rams nine-point favorites. When's the last time Aaron Rodgers was a nine-point dog?
1: That's a great question. It's been a long time. But might, might look at taking them plus nine. I don't
0: know. Rams are a wagon, dude. Yeah. They they just oh, he... move up and down. The, they're, ugh, they're unstoppable.
1: They're annoying. Yeah. Well, can't count Aaron Rodgers out too bad. Nine points, two possession game. Eight. Wait, did you say the Rams in Lambo
0: or? Uh, no, that's it. It's in Los Angeles. The Rams are at New Orleans next week. That's a juicy one. And then in three weeks at home versus the Chiefs. Ooh, that's going to be a great game. I got a drinking game for everyone watching that game. Take a drink each time they say potential Super Bowl preview.
1: They're going to beat Black. that into the ground. Yeah. I was going to say, you might not make it through the first half. No. All right. What do you got for a college? <laughs> um, it's got a couple simple ones. There are top 25 showdowns. Florida's playing at Georgia and Iowa is playing at Penn State. So big SEC matchup, big, uh, big, big 10 matchup. Jesus, that was a tongue twister. Um, uh, both those games, when I last looked, they're six and a half point spreads. So, I mean, it's been fun. George, I mean, obviously the SEC plays a little slower style of offense. They both like to run the ball. They like to run the ball a lot more. So there's not, it's not, it's not as electric, but that'll be one SEC game I'll tune into. Um, Iowa has been sneakily good. I, I messed up. I should have seen what their national ranking is. I don't know what it is, but they're top 25 now. Penn State slipped. So potential upset. Maybe, maybe is that at Penn State? Uh, yeah, it's at Penn
0: State. Oh, I don't know about that then. Yeah, uh, you never know. Yeah, I had the world's largest outdoor cocktail party as well in Jacksonville, Florida at Georgia. Both teams coming off a bye. That's going to be a fun one. And I just want to say while we're talking college football, Washington state, thank you. It's like the only you, uh, time I've ever rooted for you and you didn't cook it. You came through. <laughs> you beat the hell out of Oregon. That was awesome. And now, with uh, Washington State's win there, U-Dub controls its destiny. u wins out. They will win the Pac-12. That's how yeah. it goes. It's kind of shaping up. We'll see. uw has got to beat Stanford. And I, I don't want to look past anyone this year cause it's the way it's gone. But um they got Stanford. And then that Wash the Apple Cup at Pullman might decide
1: that's gonna, the Pac-12 North. That's going to be a real exciting game. Yeah. So it, it was really fun to
0: see Oregon just come unglued. I, I enjoyed that. So, because of that, I I got Wazoo at Stanford this week. That's gonna be a fun one. Wazoo's all all the way up to 14. Stanford's number 24. Stanford's minus three in this game. I think we Mm -hmm. want, I think we want the Cougars to win out. And if they do win out, they probably get, you know, somewhere in the seven, eight, nine range. And then it it would just hurt that much worse when they once again get their ass absolutely kicked in the apple cup. (laughs) And again, another game, on the West Coast, I'm I'm looking forward to for different reasons. In the Mountain West, UNLV at San Jose State. Rebels oh. two and five. San Jose State oh and seven. UNLV is a one and a half point favorite on the road. They've lost four straight. It's coming absolutely unglued for Tony Awful. Sanchez and company. Awful. Yeah, they, they were getting their butts kicked again last week against Air Force. They rallied late, still lost forty one thirty five. Gilliam looked the best he has. Since Armani Rogers went down, this is pretty close to a must win for the Rebs. If they're going to get to a bowl, they're going to get to to six wins. San Jose State, by the way, we mentioned the close loss to uh, San Diego State last week. They're winless, but they're sneaky. They've had one possession losses to UC Davis, Hawaii. That was the five overtime game. Each team could have won that game probably four different times. And then San Diego State. They also went to Oregon early in the year and lost by 12 or 13. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I remember them.
1: I say, I thought I remember him going to Austin and not getting absolutely smoked.
0: Yeah, they hung around in that game. So San Jose State is feisty. Feisty. And that's actually a good segue to our new slant this week. Wow. <laughs> San Jose State is bad. So football, I mentioned, has actually I – mean, 0-7 is 0-7, but they've hung around a little bit. San Jose had to make a 51-yard field goal to beat them last week. But hoops. Oh, man. Ken Palm preseason rankings came out on Saturday. 353 NCAA Division One programs. Where do you think San Jose State came in at preseason rankings?
1: 335.
0: So these preseason rankings don't mean anything. Teams are going to move all over the place once they start playing games. So that's a pretty good guess. 325, mm-hmm. which is by far the worst in the Mountain West. The next closest team was Air Force at 212, which is still bad. <laughs> but... That's a huge margin, though, in between. 325. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Mountain so West, Mountain. There's going to be some basketball scorers this year that are going to be prime fodder for, wow, San Jose State is bad. They need to get out of the Mountain West. That's what needs mm-hmm. to happen. All right, Twitter questions this week. You guys were awesome. We, we gave you a hard time last week because we only got a couple, and I think we got eight this week, maybe. We got a ton So, I got to open up Twitter here. Um, The first question we got from Tony for the podcast. Since Halloween is coming up, which bad guy would you be? Michael Myers, Jason,
1: or Freddy? You want me to take this? (laughs) You got anything to add to it? Well, I mean, I know neither of us are big into horror movies. (laughs) But I have seen... But I have seen Halloween quite a few times. They used to have those marathons on whatever channel that was when we were growing up. Sure. And I think that was the last or at least one of the last scary movies I saw in theaters when I was in high school. I think they had a Halloween come out. So I guess by default, I got to go Michael Myers.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, Michael Myers back in the news because they came out with a new Halloween movie this year. You have Mm. Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. You have Jason from Friday the 13th. Yes, I had to do research to make sure I had the names right because as you mentioned, I'm not a scary movie guy at all. This might put us in the doghouse like when we admitted we'd never seen Animal House, so we've only seen half of it. So that, that probably that probably puts us right back into the doghouse. But I don't like scary movies. Like I watch a scary movie, then I go to bed, and now I'm thinking about the scary things that happen in the movie. Now I can't sleep. Now I think someone with the machetes in the closet. Like these aren't <laughs> these aren't fun thoughts for me. I d I don't enjoy being scared. I'm not going out of my way to be scared. Yeah, there was yeah.
1: Uh, do you ever see House of Wax? Is that the one where like that girl gets her Achilles tendon clipped?
0: So I'm pretty sure Paris Hilton is in that movie. It's a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene in that movie where yeah, someone gets their Achilles cut with hedge trimmers. Ugh. Oh god. And to this day, I cannot hang my foot off the side of the bed because I think of that scene. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I still, I can't hang the other side of the bed because I, I think of that and it just makes me absolutely ugh.
1: Yeah, it gives the you the heebie jeebies. Yeah,
0: so I'm not a scary movie guy at all. Uh, this question, this is a fun question. I actually, I don't tweet you a lot or text you a lot about questions when we get them. So, cause a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff is off the cuff, but this one was cool. So Nick Morton, for those of you who aren't familiar, Nick is the co-founder, one of the owners of Tipsy Elves. A lot of you should know who tipsy elves is or what tipsy elves is they have they're the ones a lot of you maybe see like the christmas suits tipsy elves more likely than not is the one that made those so fun to hear from nick he goes my question is what size adult onesies do you wear because i'm gonna send you some for christmas you're doing god's work could not agree more (laughs) (laughs) no we appreciate that um i'm a large
1: are you are you large also yeah i've been shedding a couple lbs i'm a large too
0: so you gotta go to Santa Crawl now, not in your ugly sweater that you've used for seven straight years. You gotta wear the wear the onesie. Yeah,
1: I'll rep it Nick. You give me that onesie, I'll wear it.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. I'm I'm pumped on that. I'm f i am I might fly to Reno to go to Santa Crawl to wear my onesie.
1: I said this might be my nightly attire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that that's actually dope. Josh says, uh, what do you guys feel is the direction of the pack football team going forward? It's a few parts. So I guess we've kind of talked about this already. I'll let you take this one. General thoughts about the direction of the football program right now.
1: It's obviously going in the right direction. I think basketball still is casting a little shadow over it, but I'm a firm believer that Nevada's a football school. So it's obviously nice to see the the football teams going in a easily noticeable positive direction. I think they clear the bowl game this year, and... It just kind of show goes to show that Norvell's system is working. We just got to we just got to be a little patient and give it some time.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how anyone cannot feel borderline ecstatic about what's going on with the football program right now. The clear strides they're taking every single week been so fun to watch. The next mm-hmm. question he asked was, "Do we go to a bowl this year?" You said, "Yeah, I think absolutely." That win over Hawaii opened yeah. some serious doors. They're two wins away. They have Colorado State at home still, San Jose State and UNLV on the road. And then you have San Diego State at home on Saturday, and that's certainly a winnable. Game Vegas puts that spread at two and a half. So I yeah. think there's a, there's a shot Nevada wins out and is comfortably into a bowl, but I, yeah, absolutely got Nevada in a bowl this year. Josh also asked, and I'll, I'll take these ones, record for next year, record for 2020. So at first I was like, man, I don't know. And then I started clicking around, looked at the schedule, and I was like, oh, that's actually kind of fun to look at. So the football rec- schedule for 2019, Non-conference, they're home versus Purdue. They're at Oregon. That's a tough start to the season. Yeah. And then you're home versus Weber State, FCS team, and then at UTEP. UTEP's 0-7 this year. So I think realistically you're probably looking at 2-2 two and two to start that. Purdue just smacked Ohio State. At home and non-conference, you have Hawaii, New Mexico, San Jose State, UNLV. All of those are winnable. So that would put them at six wins if they can win those. not or Mountain West games and on the road, they have Fresno, San Diego State, Utah State, in Wyoming, and those are all really tough. So I think maybe you win one of those road games. That puts it four, six, seven. I mean, probably in the six to eight win range. I would go next year. You're losing Ty Ganji. You're losing a lot of the defense. you got a lot of skill position guys back, though. In 2020, now we're getting way out there. A ton can change. You don't know what's going to go on, whether you have coaches coming or going, what's going to go on in recruiting. But this is a favorable schedule for 2020, looking at this. And screw it; it's fine. Football's doing well. Let's look at what's going on in twenty twenty. Home and home and non <laughs> conference, not necessarily exciting. UC Davis and UTEP on the road. Penn State and USF.
1: Oh God! <laughs>
0: so Penn State, that's not going to be a fun one. But I am no. su- circling USF in that one.
1: Well, you think that- back my my freshman year, we almost beat USF when they came here. Yeah, should have beat them.
0: Yeah. So you think you go two zero against UC Davis, UTEP, you lose to Penn State. Then you go on the road, beat USF 3-1, and one, nice road win in Florida going to conference play. I love we're talking about this like so logically for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> home and Mountain West play, Fresno, Utah State, San Diego State, and Wyoming. So getting Fresno, San Diego State, Utah State looking like maybe the best team in the Mountain West this year. We'll see if they carry over that that over year to year. So that's nice to have those guys at home. On the road, you have Hawaii, New Mexico, San Jose State. Unlv. And as of now, none of those scare you. Those yeah. are all winnable. So you think three and one in non-conference at home and conference play, Fresno, Utah State, San Diego State, Wyoming, you maybe split those, maybe go three and one. So that puts you at maybe five wins. Then all four of those games are winnable on the road. You're looking at nine wins, maybe. So I think, I think that 2020 season, it's, it's starting to, to shake out again, way far out, but kind of fun to look at it. Austin asks, and this one hurt me. Oh, I get it. So he said, coming from a a Vegas native. Are you calling me a Vegas native, Austin, or are you from Vegas? I'm confused. Coming from a Vegas native, is there anything particularly good about Las Vegas? No. Why did Nathan move down there? So definitely not a Vegas native. I'm a Vegas transplant. Washington native. Is there anything good about Vegas? I would say right now it's pretty sweet. I mean, it's... 75 degrees during the day. Doesn't get that cold at night. Prime golfing weather. It's gorgeous. The summer was hell. I hated it. Um, obviously my girlfriend's down here and her family, so that's pretty great. Um, I think that's what I got for positives for Vegas.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's it's. I was curious how far you were going to <laughs> go into that.
0: No, Vegas isn't that bad. I, I do miss Reno, though. You guys know that I love Reno. I started a podcast called The Reno Slant. Then Austin also asked, why did Nathan move down there? Uh, moved down here basically to be with my girlfriend. Uh, I realized that working in journalism for the rest of my life, making that sort of money, working nights, working weekends, working holidays, with that income, as the industry continues to diminish and crumble, I realized was not something that I want to be a, pick, uh, be a part of long term. So I basically said, all right, I need to figure out and start something else, start from scratch. And Tara is born and raised down here, has family down here. She was actually living down here. And so it just made sense to push the reset button down in Vegas. Fake Matt Mummy, back on the board after missing last week. Who is the greatest non-SDSU Aztec of all time? Hashtag history.
1: Is so <laughs> someone that just wasn't, didn't go to San Diego State or like? Like an actual Aztec. Oh, what the fuck? So
0: I'm not going to lie. I went to Google and typed in famous Aztecs. <laughs> yeah. First one that came up, Montezuma. So I'm going with Montezuma because he he has the most SEO. with his name. All right. I'll second that. <laughs> Actually, something interesting I learned about Aztecs while we're doing hashtag history. Aztecs are responsible for the establishment of artificial islands in lakes. Did you know that?
1: No. How the hell back then are you making artificial islands and lakes? You know, it would have been interesting if way back when, if somebody had a camera and recorded something like that. Like, how do you do I'm that, just, seriously? How does anybody do anything? How does uh, <laughs> how does Stonehenge get? A, I don't know. We're gonna go down some weird rabbit hole here. Yeah, we're not we're not going down conspiracy theories. Hashtag history. We'll, we'll, aliens, we'll
0: there. aliens. Um, uh, <laughs> some nerd Eric Granada. Granada, what's up, buddy? Are you planning on participating in No Shave November? And if so, can we expect an epic mustache circa 2014? So, are you are you doing No Shave November?
1: So, I'm not sure yet because I'm leaving in the middle of the month and going to Brazil. That's right. But I'll probably go with it the first first couple of weeks. I did it all the way through last November, and I did the traditional. I dyed it, so it got nice and dark. But um I'll probably be a half participant this month. So some
0: personal news. I'm actually about to, to switch jobs. i got an exciting opportunity. The office is half a mile from my house. It stars a line. So I'm starting my new job on November 5th, my day job. And I don't know if it's a great way to welcome myself to the office by walking in with a creepy mustache. <laughs> like, What's up, guys? I'm the new guy. Or is it a power move? That's actually a great point. <laughs> <laughs> so, I gotta feel it out, what, what the move is for, for No Shave November. I'm leaning no, but if they're, if we're doing it in the office, I'ma send it. You know, I'm gonna have that mustache. Back in 2014, we did dye it, and, it might have been 2015 actually. And it was, mm-hmm. it was powerful. It was fierce. It, it was powerful. <laughs> and then, Trav ASU, do you ever get him his money?
1: No, so I sent him a tweet, so Trav, if you're listening, Get back to me. I sent you a tweet asking for your Venmo handle. All
0: right. He says, with all top four running backs, four wide receivers, and three offensive linemen, not to play the well-actually game, but I I think it's two offensive linemen. Anyway, coming back next for offense next year, they're going to be loaded and deep. The biggest question, is at quarterback the most important? I'm hearing we've had interest from former UCLA quarterback Devin Modster. Have you heard anything, and is that a big get? So I pretty much could not be more – further removed from Nevada recruiting news. I just don't pay attention to it at all. Once they sign, then I'll start looking around into it. I did some clicking around. Monster didn't play a ton last year at UCLA, but when he did play, he was pretty efficient. I think he played in four games. He threw for something like 650 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. So he looked pretty good. He's not a huge kid. He's six one. He's at a JC right now. I don't know. I mean if if you can add a a power five guy who you think can actually add to the room, maybe compete for a starting spot, I would say yeah, that's worth taking a flyer. But he was the he was in the running for the starting job this year, ended up being third string behind Wilton Spate, Michigan kid, who got his hers back, and then Dorian Thompson Robson, the Gorman kid, true freshman now starting for UCLA. But you look at Nevada's quarterback room next year, you got Christian Solano. Gonna be a junior. Griffin Don gonna be a junior. Camin Curatton's gonna be a junior. Carson Strong is gonna be a sophomore. My guess is maybe all those guys are gonna redshirt this year. We know that Jay Norvell and Matt Mummy are o for one on Power Five transfers. Remember David Cornwell? So oh, well. I, I, I think that you know if there's mutual interest, then m- maybe you make it happen. But I know that Jay Norvell, Matt Mummy have to be excited about the depth they have in the quarterback room. I don't think there's someone who's gonna shy away from adding depth. Maybe it happens. I don't know. It's not something I'm going to pay a ton of, ton of attention to. And the last question we got, we got this one an email from Andrew. He says, In the Mountain, only Utah State and Boise are assured of a bowl. with the other four um, teams, their chances that slim to none. In the West, Fresno, Hawaii, and San Diego State are all at six. Nevada's knocking on the door. Is the West superior than the Mountain divisions for football? And I think for... Maybe the first time since this alignment came to be, I'd say so. You know, in the mountain, you have Utah State and Boise up top. In the West right now, you have Fresno and San Diego State. San Diego State went to Boise, won that game. I think the West has more depth. Third place Hawaii went to third place Colorado State, won that game in the opener. Nevada should have beat Boise or Boise a couple weeks ago in Reno. So yeah, I would, I would absolutely say the, the West is better this year. Random Reno, wrap this up and get out of here. What do you got?
1: So I had to look this up real quick before we before we started recording, but I got I'm going the whole state, so it's not you know shame on me not going specific to Reno, but Nevada is the largest gold-producing state in the nation, and it is second in the world behind South Africa. So snaps for Nevada.
0: Second. Get a lot in, of gold. Second
1: in the world. That's what it said on the website. Yeah, it said it's second in the world. Which is crazy because I was thinking, I'm like, well, what about you know, Nevada's a silver state, but I guess gold is mm. gold's right up there.
0: Should it, should it be the gold state?
1: <laughs> should we change 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 the nickname?
0: We we are a meteorology podcast. We're also a gold state podcast. <laughs> All right, mine is we t- we talked about zombie crawl a little bit this week. We definitely talked about it last week. Reno is also home to the first and now largest superhero crawl in the world. Did you know that? I did not know that. I have no clue how they determine that it's the largest superhero crawl in the world. Maybe it's the only one, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) honestly, who cares? That's why the internet is awesome. Can't even argue with it. It's on the internet. Badge badge of pride. Absolutely. So it's every July. They've been doing it for over a decade now. The picture that was affiliated with it—it was funny. There were it was some woman in a Joker in Joker face paint hula hooping. So couple things: Joker, superhero. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's in, it's in the realm. It's in a superhero movie. There was also some woman in roller skates and roller skating from beer to from bar to bar for a beer crawl sounds very Reno.
1: (laughs) That sounds horrible.
0: (laughs) That's dangerous. Not wearing a helmet, by the way, shame begging for CTE
1: shame on her.
0: All right, and uh, before we get out of here, we need to switch gears a little bit. I uh, need to say something on, on a much more solemn note. Adam and I, we like to have a lot of fun on the podcast, make a lot of jokes, but r- truly uh nothing funny about this. Right now, our, our thoughts are with Jack Rieger. His name is familiar to some of you who are listening, maybe even more than, than I would anticipate. Jack wrote for the Sagebrush a few years ago. And those of you who know Jack know that he's a great guy, a really good writer. He's a better writer than I am. I, I have no problem admitting that. Jack had a freak accident last week, fell from an extreme height and suffered a traumatic brain injury, broke several bones. As of Monday, he remained in uh, the ICU at the UCLA Medical Center, unconscious. I got to know Jack a few years ago. Our girlfriends were actually roommates. In Reno, So that's really how we got to know each other. But obviously we ran in the sports media circle a little bit at the time. Jack actually currently is a production assistant for Fox Sports in L.A. Incredibly bright future for my man. Got to speak with his mom, Kathy, on Monday night. They're hoping for a full recovery, but it's one of those things right now. You just kind of have to wait and see once he wakes up to see how bad the brain injury truly was. And for people who are there with Jack right now, people who know Jack, that is the absolute worst part. Is just waiting, not knowing. So speaking with Kathy, she did want to relay to everyone who's listening, who has, whether they've reached out, donated on GoFundMe. It sounds like she's been almost overwhelmed by the support from people who know Jack and have just sent him love and sent him their, their thoughts. So I tweeted the GoFundMe for Jack last week. I will do so again tonight for anyone who wants to donate to help Jack and help his family right now. That would be amazing, but e- even something as easy as a retweet to help get the, the word out there would be awesome. Uh, I forgot to look at GoFundMe before we came on, but I know on Monday it was at over $27,000 of a $50,000 goal. I know it's more than that right now, and that alone speaks to just how incredible Jack is, how loved he is, and, and right now he needs our support. So, Jack, it's my understanding that you're listening. We're thinking about you, buddy. Uh, You're as driven as they come. You're going to get through this stronger. If anyone can get through this stronger, it's going to be you get better soon. And that is our show this week. So thank you to all of you who continue to listen, continue to send us your good vibes. We got some big things in, in the works. I'm not just saying that some amazing guests lined up over the next month or so. Thank you to Eli Betger, lead men's basketball writer for the Mountain West Wire, for coming on the pod, sharing his thoughts about Nevada hoops, Mountain West hoops in general. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm first this week. At Shalp Nathan, at Shalp Adam, or at the Reno Slant. And you can also email us. I, I know people, some people listen who aren't on Twitter. You can contact us at the Reno or therenoslant at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us an iTunes five-star review of the week. Shout out to Andrew for this week. So we're going to be back next week. To break down the San Diego State win on Saturday night. We're also going to talk Colorado State. And then that's our last show before the hoop season opener against BYU. Basketball season is, it's damn near here. So we got a lot of hoop stock next week with a guest that you guys are really going to be excited about. It's my job to say you guys are going to be excited about it, but you guys are going to be excited about it. (laughs) We'll put it out there on Tuesday night once we record who that guest is. Kickoff Saturday night at Mackey. Second game of a five-game winning streak. Hopefully, 7.30 at Mackey. Yeah, it's late. Team needs a support right now. It has deserved it. Adam will be there. Going to be a fun game at Mackey. We will see you guys next week.
1: Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.